0: Amen. Thank you, Allie, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, I, like you, I don't particularly like wearing the mask, Uh, but if it allows us to gather, then I'll wear the mask. And thank you so much. I was telling them earlier uh, why the spike in the cell of masks has gone up. I'm sure the spike in the cell of breath mints is right along with it. But uh, we're grateful to be here and thank you so much for being part of Get Well. Uh, we are in this sermon series uh, that's dealing with building blocks, thus, the Legos that we have on the stage, and we're grateful for all those who created that. We're calling it building blocks in order for us to build our faith, for us to have words, for us to understand what we believe, why we believe, and what we trust as Christians. And so that's what we're dealing with uh, today. The uh, end result that we hope to achieve in Christian circles is called apologetics. It doesn't mean that I'm apologizing for something. It simply means uh, that it's a, a branch of, of Christianity that helps us know that uh, this is a defense. This is, uh, gives us answers of what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, so far in our series, we've talked about absolute truth. What Scripture is, uh, what does it mean to us? Uh, What is your compass north? What helps you make decisions and the decisions that you have in life? Uh, God's Word, absolute truth, helps guide us. Last week, uh, we talked about God the Creator. Uh, Do you believe that there's a supreme being, God, who put everything into play uh, and into place? Why do you believe that? Today we come to this topic of good versus evil. Oh my, this is going to be so easy. Uh, We look at this and it is going to be something for us just to kind of wade through. So for today, uh, we're going to just put some questions out on the table. And as we put those questions out on the table, we're going to to put on our spiritual uh, chest waiters. And we're gonna to have to wait for a little bit. And then we're gonna come back and make some application of what does all this mean for us. So last week, Jonathan uh, talked about uh, creation, about God created everything and it was good. So let's talk about good for just a little bit. In Genesis 1 it says that God saw all that he made and it was very good. So from the beginning of creation, This world God created was good. Yet, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3, several different things happened to this created goodness of God. The goodness became tainted, it became contaminated by sin, and sin entered into the world. Now, hear me on this God did not create sin. But God created human beings and gave them the free will uh, who have the ability to sin. This ability to sin, this free will included Satan, who's a fallen angel that was once in heaven uh, with God. Uh, you can write this down, read it about it later, but in Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28, beginning with verse 12 of either one of those scripture texts of Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28, you can read about the fall of Satan from heaven. Satan made a choice uh, to re- rebel against God uh, because Satan was prideful, he was beautiful, and he wanted to be God himself. Bottom line, Satan wanted to be worshiped. So the ability to choose this free will uh, includes other fallen angels as well. Satan's minions, those who joined with Satan as he wanted to uh, be worshipped. And so they joined with, so you have so far, you have Satan who has free will. You have the minions or his angels that decided to uh, leave heaven as well. But here's where it really gets interesting for us and the reality of life. If Satan has a free will, if those minions had the free will, that includes you and me as human beings. We too have that free will. As humans, we are born and created to choose our path in this life, but also to choose our relationship with God. Uh, That choice concerning our relationship with God is a yes or no, is no in between. It's not a maybe. Uh, It's not a sometime. Uh, It is one or the other, not in between. To be clear, sin that entered this world in Genesis is basically falling short of the glory of God. If we can get it in the basic term of understanding what sin is, it's missing the mark. Uh, You've heard this illustration. If we have a bullseye that's up there and a center mark and sin is an arrow, Uh, That sin, that arrow, misses the target all completely, the bullseye. And sin is the the moral law, falling of the moral law of God, His glory. And uh, that's what we have to understand sin is. Now, understanding that God's original creation was contaminated by sin, uh, that leads us to the next obvious question that we won't answer. And that question is, why were these beings who, who were created uh, could sin? Why was, were they created with free will? Why didn't God just create human beings uh, that didn't have the ability to sin? If we follow that line of thought and try to answer that question, then it comes to this. That if God created us that way, then we can have the idea that we would just be puppets. And God would be the grand puppet master. And he would always be controlling us uh, below. And we would have no part in the emotions that we felt or the reaction or also our actions as just being puppets. So that leaves us with only two alternatives that God had concerning creation of human beings and free will. I know we're waiting, so stay with me, okay? Uh, The first is this, uh, the only option God had was this, that God could either make sin impossible to happen for us as humans, thus being puppets, or secondly, God could make human beings free to choose so they could love their Creator on their own accord. And folks, that is a huge risk, a huge gamble that God took on you and me. That there is no coercion, that there is no uh, twisting of an arm, but we would love him back because we would understand how much he loves us. And from the overflow of our heart, we would love God freely. So, good versus evil. Somewhere between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, Satan fell, sin entered the world, and evil found its way into the world to oppose the goodness of God. That being the case, then let's identify this evil that is trying to rob the goodness of God. At first glance. It might seem that if God created all things, then apparently evil must have been created by God as well, right? We would think that. However, evil is not a thing like a rock or a river. It's not a thing. You, you cannot have a jar of evil. Evil has no existence on its own. Evil is basically the absence of good. This is about to be huge for us, folks. Take for example, potholes. Please take them. Potholes are real, but those potholes only exist in something else, right? We call the absence of asphalt or the absence of dirt a hole. But the hole cannot be separated. It cannot exist unless there is asphalt or unless there's dirt that's around it. There cannot be a hole without something around the hole. There cannot be a hole if there is no dirt or no asphalt. Let's go further. If you are asked, does cold exist? You would say, yes. Cold does exist, but cold is the absence of hot. Hot is the absence of cold. Darkness is the absence of light. So, following that thought pattern, then evil is the absence of good. And for our purpose today, evil is the absence of God. God did not have to create evil, but God only had to allow for the absence of good. It's a huge understanding. And if you wanna read more about that, just read the first chapter of Job, the book of Job. God did not create evil, but God allows evil. If God had not allowed for the possibility of evil, then we as humans would be serving God out of obligation, not out of choice. So if you'll take out a piece of paper, uh, we're going to have a pop test. And your score is going to be put on the screen. And we're going to see how you do with this good versus evil, okay? Uh, My goodness, we can wade deep. And we can peel back and we can wonder, now, did I understand that right? What is it about that? Here's what I found about apologetics. We've just had a taste of that. I've found that we can understand and uh, the apologetics. We can have the words. We can have the phrases. We can have that understanding. But what we lack in apologetics so oftentimes is the application. How does it affect my life? Because it seems that once we know something in our Christian walk, we're a little hesitant to apply what we know. So for our next step, waiting out of this topic of what we've just been wading through, uh, let's make an application of what we know. That's what we find in Ephesians 6. So look in your scriptures. Let's see this together. Let's see what God's Word has to say for us in this application. Because if we kind of know good, we understand that evil is just that hole that is there, then what is the application for us? Well, you and I, we all have them. You and I, we have pet peeves. Uh, we have irritations, those things that don't bother the person that's sitting to your right or left, but to you, you're, you're willing to go to war over that because it just irritates you that much. Uh, some of us have those buttons that are just easy pushed, or maybe the triggers that are easily pulled. Uh, in Ephesians 6, we look at that uh, just a few weeks ago. So think about this. Uh, We all have those irritations or those triggers or those um, buttons that are pushed. And don't be surprised that it's not going to get worse because we're living in a time period right now where it seems that uh, this country is just wearing their emotions on their, their shoulders. And so we react so quick. We, we do things on Facebook that uh, we wish we could get back, or we say something to someone that we wish we could take back. What if I told you that those, that battle that you're in, our struggle that we're in, is not against flesh and blood at all? What if I told you that those things that just irritate the mess out of you, what if I told you that they are from unseen spiritual fear? forces planting seeds of division wherever they go and Those unseen spiritual forces are led by this fallen angel that we just talked about Led by Satan Does that seem a little hokey? Does it seem just a little backwoods? Does it seem just a little antiquated? I think there's a couple of extremes that we can find ourselves when it comes to what we believe about Satan. We can be either over here or over there about what we think about Satan and evil or over here. Uh, Barna Research did a survey. Uh, This may surprise you, may not, Barna Research did a survey and it said that four out of 10 Christians said that they strongly agreed that the devil is not a living being, but just a symbol of evil. 40%. Two out of 10 Christians that were interviewed somewhat agreed with that. So, so far we got 60%. It said that 35% of Christians surveyed, that would be me and you, I believe that Satan's a real being. There's another 4%, one exactly sure what they believe. The other side of the pendulum swing is to be so consumed, consumed and have an unhealthy view that gives Satan too much credit, that gives him too much attention, uh, too much focus and too much mind space. As we think about evil in our world, C.S. Lewis said this both spectrums pleases the devil profoundly. The devil's just fine with either one of those spectrums. Too much attention, too little. What does God's word say on this subject? Let's look. Ephesians 6, we begin with verse 10, and it says, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Uh, We need to pause right there. Maybe we need to write that out, put it on the dash of our truck or on a mirror in our bathroom. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It goes further. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You see it? Here we go. For our struggle, look at this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what's the application for us with good versus evil? Paul, as he's writing these words, is in prison. Uh, is either in house rest, uh, arrest or he's in prison, but he's seeing uh, a Roman soldier, and he is decked out in his armor. And so he begins to give us these words that we're gonna look at uh, for us in the application part because Paul writes, our struggles are not against flesh and blood. Folks, that means for you and for me, our struggle is not against bad genetics. It is not against bad science, poor education. It is not against race relations. It is not against subpar work uh, environment, corrupt government. It is not against the person that's working with you in the cubicle next to you. That is not where your, uh, your struggle is. They play a part, yes. But Paul is reminding us that the battle we find ourselves fighting is the one that is fought in the spiritual realm. And so Paul wants us to be sure about these things. And if he is right, and I believe that Paul is right, the devil should love nothing more than for us to deny or to mi- dismiss that he does not exist. As we look at what Paul's words write to us, they're spiritual truths. I want to lift them up for you, your application. Uh, for this good versus evil, the spiritual truth that we should, and here's the first application, is that we should prepare for the prowler. Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, wrote in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, these words, that's on the screen. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So my question for us, why does a lion prowl? A lion prowls because it's a predator. And it depends on the surprise attack. That you don't know that the predator is close. That you don't recognize and see it. And so you're just going about your business. But yet there's a predator uh, that's prowling coming against you. Peter's reminding us that we have a real adversary. Because if you don't identify your real adversary, then you won't recognize when that adversary is close by and ready to roar and to pounce. Here's how this works. The next time that you hear that that voice tells you where you find yourself in an argument, and that voice tells you that the person you're arguing with is your real adversary, then listen. Tune in. Is that person the real adversary? The next time you hear a voice that says, you wouldn't be suffering if you had real faith. The next time you hear the voice that says that God cannot possibly care about you and you're hurt, you, you lean in. You listen close. The voice that says, your success, well, it's your success. The next time you hear the voice that tempts you, uh, go ahead and step across that line because no one will know. Because that voice says, You just need to listen. You need to listen, and if you do, you will recognize the prowler and listen for his roar. Just peel back the curtain. You'll see the schemer. He's a divider. He will give you a grudge that you can carry for year after year after year. But behind the argument, behind the divide, you will find that there's Satan and evil. And they're scheming, manipulating. They're laughing at the antics to destroy you. Satan's goal is not just to wound you, not just to hurt you, but it's to devour you. Jesus called him the father of lies. Here's what Jesus did, a good example for us to follow, because he was talking to his disciples and he was telling them about the imminent pathway that he was taking toward his death. And those followers said, no way, we don't want that to happen. And Peter spoke up and rebukes Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He said, get behind me, Satan. He realized that his enemy was not Peter he realized that it was a schemer the spiritual truth for us in the application is prepare for the prowler but also there's another spiritual truth that we find and it says just get ready for the battle don't pretend that the battle's not there don't pretend that you won't it won't affect you just prepare paul says put on the full armor of god why so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. Uh, He's scheming against you. Satan knows your weakness. He knows uh, the buttons he can push. He knows the easy way to get you to fall. And he's got a game plan in order to devour you. And if that is so, then we need We need something in order, a strategy to counter all of what he gives to us. Paul reminds us we can be protected. Paul reminds us that this spiritual battle, we need spiritual armor. How protected are you? Paul gives a list. It's in Ephesians 6, the belt of truth. Because truth always casts out the lies that... Satan brings against us, Uh, the breastplate of righteousness because it protects uh, the the major organs of a frontal attack, especially your heart. It talks about the shoes of peace, uh, part of our armor. It talks about the shield of faith. Uh, Faith, why? So it can extinguish the fiery darts that come against us. It says the helmet of salvation so we can remember uh, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Let me ask you this question. How protected are you? Let me ask it another way. Parents, grandparents, if your children and your grandchildren could only wear the armor that you choose to wear now, how protected were you, would your children or grandchildren be? Because here's the thing. The things that's protection uh, in life's everyday battle, uh, they are caught. They're not taught. If they don't see us modeling and wearing this armor, uh, they're most likely, they're not going to bother with it. So how protected are you? Uh, we've been given everything we need for this battle. We've been given everything we need in Jesus Christ. And John 4:4 4, 4 says, "Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world." So get well, just gear up for battle prepare for the prowler, prepare for the battle, but also know that Paul lists just three weapons for us to use, for us to be engaged in this battle. They are offensive weapons. What's the first one? The first one we find in Ephesians 6, verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. I began 2020, I'm so glad I did with all that's gone on, uh, with reading more about prayer. I didn't want to just read about prayer, but I wanted to be devoted to prayer. And I've read some wonderful books on prayer, none more so that impacted my life than the book that you see on the screen. It's written by Craig Rochelle and the title of it is Dangerous Prayers because Groeschel talked about how in his own life he needed to evaluate his prayer life. And he said he found that he was just praying lame, safe prayers. And as he looked at that, he said, that's not what prayer is all about. So much of the time we just pray such lukewarm kind of prayers, he says, asking God to maybe bless our food Or to be with us for traveling mercies, or or be with us today. Prayer, uh, the gift that God gave us, is a weapon for offense. It puts Satan on his heels. Prayer should not be safe, but should be courageous. It should be bold, dangerous, understanding the power of the one that we're praying to. Prayer should not be safe, but it should be daring, it should be faith filled. It should be miracle-believing, life-changing, world-transforming prayers. Another spiritual weapon that we find uh, is something you just did. And that's worship. When you place God on the throne, which by the way is what worship is, it was something that Satan was not able to do. You resist the devil. And when you resist the devil by putting God on the throne, Satan has to flee. So we have prayer, offensive. Uh, We have worship, but we have the Word as well God's Word. God calls it, Paul calls it the sword of the Spirit. Jesus used the Word of God as weapons against evil. Jesus is using this powerful weapon of Scripture. That's why it's so important for us to understand the promises of God so we can make the application in our life. It's given to us to fight this battle. Here's the point. Every spiritual weapon that Jesus had, we have. Every spiritual weapon that Paul lists in Ephesians 6, we have. Good versus evil. Does it just seem like evil is winning these days? Does it seem like uh, it's just running up the score? Uh, Do you feel like you're overwhelmed, that you're just weary, and you're asking, what's next? You look at Revelation 12, 12. It says, Satan is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. To me, folks, that means that Satan is pulling out all stops. And because all stops are being pulled out, we may feel like Kyle did. Kyle is a 15-year-old who wrote a poem. And it's going to be on the screen. We're going to read it, but see if you agree. Here's Kyle's poem. God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of change. How can I believe that God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say that Christ is risen from the dead. I now know more than ever in my life that man can save himself. We must realize that it is ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say that God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, the truth is He doesn't love me. How can I presume that God is good? We're going to leave that poem up just for a minute because so much of what we go through in this life seems to be just like that poem. All we see and experience is just right here. And it just seems like evil is winning. And we wonder, where is God? However, if we flip the script, if we trusted God and His love, His faithfulness, if we trusted by faith that He is in control, what would life be like if we just didn't see the evil, but if we saw the bigger picture of God's goodness? Then the poem would read like this. God is good, how can I presume that he doesn't love me? The truth is, no matter what I do, I now realize that God has always been there for me. It is a lie to say that this world can and will meet my needs. Without God, this world would fall into darkness. Christians declare that God answers prayers. We must realize that it is ignorant to think man can save himself. I know now more than ever in my life that Christ has risen from the dead. Never again will I say that God has left me. I know with certainty that God will use my life. How can I believe that this world is a product of change? This is the one truth in life. God is good. You can't force me to believe God doesn't love me. Good versus evil. Let me let you in on a spiritual truth. A building block, if you will. One of the greatest things that is no secret. And that is this. Good wins. God wins. God's creation of goodness will be restored. Evil is on the short list. Evil's days are numbered. Want confirmation? Then just read Revelation 22, 1 through 6. For there it says that there will be no more night, and the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And that includes us as well. As I sat in my office this week, I had an email that came from Tony Evans. And here's what Tony Evans said. Whatever is going wrong in your life will not have the last word. Remember, Satan may have a word. The doctor may have a word. Your job, friends, or spouse may have a word. But God always has the final word. Let's pray together. Lord, here it is. It's a lot, but we thank you for loving us through even the times that we can't understand it all. Uh, We need your ever-present help. Uh, We need a vision of who you are and where you are. Uh, We hold on with tenacity, understanding uh, the real story that you have defeated evil, and it's only a matter of time. I pray for those that are just uh, in that process right now of trying to find their next uh, step. I pray that you shine a light on the pathway that they are walking uh, and let them hear your voice as they walk that path with courage. I pray for us that are Christ followers that we will not take a Shenandoah approach to life, that old movie, where we think the battle will pass us by. But we will gear up and we will be prayerful. We will worship and we will use your word uh, to battle against the evil that is trying to overtake us. Lord, we magnify you and we adore you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing. Love to pray with you. Jonathan, love to pray with you. Come and pray by yourself. Uh, what is it that, the Lord, that uh, evil's trying to do in your life? What is it the Lord's trying to do in your life? But as we sing, may he be glorified. Let's sing together.